0: Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and today we're going to bring you someone cool. I have Drea Fleming on with us today, and she started Geeky Girl Designs in 2009 after she had worked in the nonprofit sector for over 10 years. Geeky Girl Designs is a small business which helps other businesses and nonprofits with their technical needs. Services include branding, website development, database creation, social media management, graphic design, and program development. Drea also holds the role of Director of Technology for Princess in Training Inc., a nonprofit providing leadership development for young girls ages twelve through eighteen in the city of Austin, Texas. Hey Drea, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do.
1: Hi, hey, Tom. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, I'm so excited that you're with us. So tell us a little bit about Geeky Girl Designs. Tell us a little bit more than than we heard in the bio.
1: Geeky Girl Designs is my baby. It's first business that I started, and it came after Um, Working in the nonprofit sector, I just saw a need for nonprofits and businesses to uh, utilize social media. And so I was doing all the social media for different companies, but I wasn't getting paid for it. And it was my passion. So I said, you know, how can I make my passion Pay me, and so by doing that, I I started asking people questions. What would you like to see from a nonprofit on social media? And with that, they were telling me, "Oh, you know, daily post, and you know, wanted to hear what was going on with the with the funding and things like that." So I said, "Okay, well, I'll start my own business um, helping nonprofits," and then it started with businesses. So with that, I started you know, everything that I already had, every skill set that I already had, I start utilizing and created my
0: own business. God, that is so fantastic. I mean, that is what, you know, sort of the American dream. That's what people want to do. Find your passion and find a way to make money in it. But Drea, you started in 2009 and I know firsthand because that's when I started my business full time. That was the worst part Of the recession. I mean, arguably, 2009 was as low as we had ever been since the Great Depression. And you started your business. What was that like?
1: You know, at first it was scary because I said to myself, what do I have left over from my skill set? You know, I was working at a nonprofit and they were laying people off. And It was it was one of those times in my life where I said I can make this a a great opportunity for myself or I can just uh, cower away and and not do anything. So I chose to utilize my talents. And and with those talents, I decided, you know, how can I help other people be successful in what they want to do in life? So I use my purpose of helping others to create this business.
0: So did you always feel like you wanted to do your own thing? I mean, sometimes people say that, you know, when they were a kid, they had lemonade stands and, you know, they, they made t-shirts and they did all kinds of things that they always were an entrepreneur. And other people say, no, it sort of just happened by a process. So was this something you always wanted to do? How did, how did you become an entrepreneur?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> this was like one of those things that kind of was like a fluke. It kind of was, it, it was kind of pushed upon. Me because I was always that scary person who didn't want to step outside the waters. I'd rather work for someone back then than to work for myself because I knew what went into working for yourself. I knew that it was long hours, I knew that it was um, taking on all tasks, including doing your own taxes, all the financial part of it, but then also you had to, you know, you had to go out and get the work yourself. So, no, definitely not. It was one of those things where you know, like you said, it was the worst part of the recession. And so I decided, you know, I can utilize everything that I've already done over the course of the years. I've been programming since I was 16, 17 years old, right? And I never really did anything with that. This is my second career, right? I was a social worker before that. And so I decided, hey, you know, this is a great opportunity and time for me to, you know, just change fields. So, no, definitely not my first first love. It was it was it grew upon me, right? <laughs> I had to grow into it.
0: So I guess someone who starts off as a social worker, I guess that's not where those those burning natural entrepreneurs go right away. So if I saw on your bio correctly and, and I might I'm pulling this out of my memory, which sometimes as I get older isn't perfect, but you went to the University of Texas, is that right?
1: Yes, I did.
0: And and what did you study in school?
1: I have a master's degree in social work, but my emphasis is on nonprofit management, right? So the business section of social work. So it's all those things that a lot of social workers really don't want to do. <laughs> so it's it's not really dealing directly with the client. It's the business
0: section of it. Gotcha. So now you've been doing your own business. You've been an entrepreneur and helping them with their tech and with their social media for the nonprofits and for businesses for several years. What is it that you love? About this new life you've created,
1: I am naturally a problem solver. I have the ability, like, to challenge myself, and by by nature, just a problem solver. So I believe that every problem has a solution, and so that's the same thing with social work. I think they correlate, like, the the programming and the consulting all together, because you can always find a, a solution to the problem, right? You're that's the constant. There is there's a problem, and there's a solution to it. So that's what I like it about it. And also because I'm a curious person by nature, I'm always trying to figure out how things work and why they work the way they the what the way that they do. So, that's a whole part of social work and a part of what I do consulting.
0: So, is there any part of it though where you wake up in the morning and think, "What have I done?" Is there any part of being an entrepreneur that makes you think I could have stayed a social worker?
1: Oh yes, in 2009, in the beginning like a lot of no's, um, that's what you have to get used to, uh, people saying no to you. I think in order to be um, an entrepreneur, you really have to be a fighter um, and you really have to be hungry. And what I mean about hungry is that you have to have an appetite for success. You really have to get up and wake up and eat, sleep, and breathe your own passion. And No matter what people say to you, you really have to be gung ho on. Okay, this is what I want, and this is what you know how it's going to happen. And you have to be diligent about what you want because people will always say, "Oh, you can't do this and you can't do that." But you have to prove them wrong. And I'm that type of person who I want to prove you wrong because people told me all the time, "Oh, you're not going to be successful. You know what are you doing with your life?" You know, especially like my family, because they don't understand entrepreneurship. I I don't come from a background where entrepreneurship was um, celebrated, so um, it was one of those things where I had to do it for myself and to show the women in my family. you know, you can do it. You can achieve this.
0: You know, it's funny that you bring that up because I started in 2009 and, and I went out on my own and I decided I wanted to become, a you know, a professional speaker and trainer and master of ceremonies. And I think behind my back, some of the people I knew kind of laughed at me. I ran into somebody about a year ago and they said, wow, you're doing so well. I really didn't think you would. And I was like I know that was meant as a compliment but you know it was like wow I I, I, I really didn't think you'd succeed I mean what do you say to your family and, and people who kind of had those feelings you know what did you say when you were starting out and what do you say now
1: in the beginning I was so leery of saying anything it was like okay maybe they're right um maybe maybe I should just go get a job you know and I in the beginning you have to like I did I had to do a day job and do the work so I was working non. Stop. And a lot of people don't understand that about entrepreneurship. It's like you're working daily and you work for your clients. So in the beginning, it was like really hard. So I got a lot of, oh, I told you it wasn't going to be that easy. And, you know, I knew that. But um, now it's kind of like I get bigger contracts, right? And I right now I only take one project per quarter because that's all I can really take uh, because there's so much that goes into it. So now it's like, oh, you're successful. Um, I see you doing great things. And how can I be a part of that? or, you know, just those things. So I have to say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing... I'm doing okay right now, so don't worry about me. You know, so it, it's it's kind of like you want to you want to get that last laugh or whatever. But you know, for me, it's just like I'm doing good in society and I'm helping others. So that's to me like the greatest thing.
0: So you so. mentioned that your family wasn't necessarily entrepreneurial, or they they certainly didn't you know support and, and cherish and champion entrepreneurship. But you said that now you're kind of an example. You know, especially for the women in your family, are, are there younger generations? Do you have children or nieces and nephews or or cousins? who can look up to what you're doing
1: oh definitely I now I have I have both my sisters and I have uh, my nieces you know trying to start entrepreneurial um, businesses I started helping one of my nieces with her uh, business it's called um, beautiful nerd clothing so it's a t-shirt line so I, I was helping her with that just so she can she can get the idea of how it works because a lot of people think it's easy so I I kind of teach them their steps to the process of entrepreneurship. And so they now that they see it, that it can be done, now they want to be a part of it. And so a part of me is um, I'm revamping Geeky Girl, um, adding sex, sex sections to it wanting to create a camp primarily for women and girls in the STEM sector. And so now they're like, okay, bring that to our city so we can learn, like having a class on entrepreneurship and how to build your business.
0: Well, I I mean, I think that's something I hear from a lot of the people who I interview, especially when they said that they had naysayers around them. And they said, then you look around and all of a sudden, you know, you you go from the person where they think, oh, he or she's going to fail to, oh, that person's a role model in our community. And it's like that for a couple of my guests has been one of the biggest surprises that their success in entrepreneurship has brought along.
1: Definitely, definitely. I think a lot of people, especially I can speak to a lot of people in the African-American community because that's where I come from. Um, and low income, they don't see those opportunities. They, I think where I come from, it's, it's hard to imagine working for yourself. Um, and so a lot of people will say, well, oh, you can't do it. And they have that mentality of can't. Well, I don't have that mentality. My thing is I can do anything because of Christ. So for me, it's being my own champion. And sometimes you have to be that. You have to be your own um, cheerleader. You have to say to yourself constantly, you know, I can do it. And then once people see that, I think it's it's better for them so that they can do it to become that example.
0: So what advice do you have for somebody, whether they're from the African-American community or they're, they're coming from any type of, of background? What advice do you have for somebody who, who hasn't been exposed to this whole idea of going out and forging your own path? What advice do you have for somebody who maybe thinks hey, I want to start my own business, but but I don't know, I've never seen anyone do it. What advice do you have for them?
1: I would say to a new entrepreneur, I would say sit underneath other entrepreneurs. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I am a very curious person, so I always ask questions. And getting a mentor is really good, but it's also something that you don't have to do, but it's really good if you do because you have someone to champion and be a sponsor for you. Um, always look for sponsors or people who can um, be in your corner, who are who they're doing the same thing as you, but also someone smarter than you who is more successful. I would also say, don't give up so easy. You know, if you try one route um, and it doesn't work, try another route, because that's what I had to do. I believe in failure. And what I mean by that is you have to keep trying no matter what. I felt so many times trying to help over and over. Um, but you you can't be afraid to fail, right? And my grandfather used to say to me, like if you're not failing, you're that means you're not trying. So for me was failing. Like, did I fail today? Yeah, I did. And I tried. So that was really important.
0: You know, I think you bring up an excellent point and it speaks, you know, boatloads to sort of you as an entrepreneur. And that is, hey, you got to try stuff. So I'm just going to share with our listeners how this interview came about. So today I realized I didn't have somebody for Thursday's show. And, you know, I usually record a couple of days out and I put a, a note out on Twitter saying, are there any cool entrepreneurs who have anything cool to promote? And Drea replied back, I always have something cool going on. And I said, Great, you want to be on my show? And we didn't know each other. Now, coincidentally, she followed me on social media. We both live in the same city, but we we'd never crossed paths before we didn't know each other and i said do you want to be on do you want to be a guest on the show and she said yes and i went and looked up geeky girl and i looked up her bio and she's fascinating and and was just the type of person i like to bring on to the show one of the things i love to do is find those serendipitous interviews because for those of you who listen you know this is the 89th episode of cool things entrepreneurs do i've interviewed a lot of professional speakers and authors a lot of my friends a lot of people i know through the associations I belong to, whether they're here in Austin or around the world. But the truth is, some of the best interviews are the ones that I stumble upon. So every now and then, I like to just put it out there, hey, who wants to be on the show? And sometimes people respond, and, and they're just not the right match. But I knew as soon as I looked up Geeky Girl and I looked at Dre, I thought, yeah she's exactly who we want to have share her story on this show but it comes from the fact that you tried i have ten thousand people who follow me on twitter and one person replied saying i'll be on your show and i think that's how things happen is you have to be willing to try stuff so i think that's great advice so what other things have you tried that have worked out for you just serendipitously
1: oh i i pretty much try anything um you know, when new companies come to me, I, I, tried, um, one of the avenues that I always try with someone is to bring another person in and say, okay, let's do a, a full consultation, consultation, right? And then have them come in, what all do you need for your, your, uh, business to be successful? And sometimes, um, we find that the entrepreneur may not be ready for it, right? So, um, they may not have everything set up correctly of the the way that they want it to go. And so if they're not willing to do their part for us to be successful, then I can't help them, right? You have to be a partner with me in order for me to make you successful, but sometimes that doesn't work. So sometimes I have to start over and with each person it's different, right? Because each person is different as far as technology. A lot of the websites that I develop, they're self done. So once I'm done with the website, it's yours to keep. And some people aren't willing to do that. So I have to start over with some people and I had to come back and say, okay, well, this person isn't willing to do, you know, their part as far as updating the website and things like that. So I have to come back, okay. Well, then we'll have someone on staff for you to update the website for you or you know to create these things for you. Cause some people you know, they're, they're not at the level that you want them to be. As far as technology, um, we have a lot of older clients who, you know, that's not their thing. They just want the website up. They just want it to work nothing else. So those are the things that I have to always look at and how to approach the situation differently.
0: So do you think then for a small, you know, solopreneur, small entrepreneur, that just being flexible with every client on an individual basis is is a, a, a ticket to success?
1: Oh, definitely. Flexibility is huge. You have to you have to start where they are uh, because with technology the way it is, there's so many different individuals who want to start a business, but they don't know how to, and they don't know what they need as far as technology. Um, so that's a huge thing. And, and, you know, there's different businesses that I work with, every uh, from a ballet company to, um, a government agency and each place is different. So I always have to start where they are.
0: So I've got more questions for you, Drea, but first I have to thank my sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Drea. Hey, for an exclusive offer, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things because they have a special offer for my listeners who want to start their own podcast. And Podfly is the company I use to produce cool things entrepreneurs do, and they do a fantastic job. So Drea... I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing right now with your company?
1: The coolest thing I'm doing right now is revamping. I think, like, right now it's it's an opportunity for me to pivot into helping women and girls, um, learn different skill sets. And so that's what I'm going to do. My goal right now, um, I see a lot of companies like Girlstar, Black Girls Code, Jewelbots, you know, using robots, Girls Who Code, Girl Develop It, Box, all these different entities that I like. Um, what they're doing, I'm trying to do the same thing, but do it better uh, for what I want to do. I want to put in a gaming part to it because I'm a gamer, right? So one, that's a cool thing for me, like revitalizing what I'm doing to make it better and more successful. So that's, for me, that's the, the best thing right now.
0: So I find it interesting that in 2015, and it's true, I'm the father of two young daughters, but in mm-hmm. 2015, we still run into issues where the girls still need, you know, the extra exposure to gaming and to computing and to decoding. Uh, why do you think that is?
1: I think because it's not one of those, it's not one of those fields where they're really told how, um, technology is going to affect the future, right? I think that there's this, it's non-attractive, um, right? So it's like, oh, that's nerdy. But for me, th- the nerdier, the better. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm attracted to that. That's something that I like to do on a Friday night gaming. That would be something that I would want to do, like to compete with someone. But for, I think for a lot of girls, it's not seen as, oh, you know, oh, she's, you know, for me when I was younger, oh, she's too smart, You know, and so a lot of girls get into that, especially like the teenage years, um, where they want to play dumb. I think what I've seen with my nieces, um, that they don't want to be seen as a smart girl or, you know, because of society's pressures and things like that. So for me, I want to be able to say, hey, that's attractive. That's, you know, she's a smart girl. She can game or she can code or she created this. And I don't think that we celebrate those things. From my standpoint, I just see that it's always seen as like a male thing to be a gamer or, you know, to be a coder, a programmer, because I know 20 different languages and a lot of males couldn't do the stuff that I do, but you know, Would I be picked first? You know what I mean? So it's one of those things um, that, like I said, it's it's something that's not deemed as attractive.
0: Well, and that goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's about you and and others like you being role models, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. They have to see what they want to be. And I think if there's more women um, engineers and computer programmers um, and gamers, um, they will be more apt you know, to say, I want to be like her, I want to be like that woman. You know, when I saw um, Kimberly Bryant create Black Girls Code, I was so attracted to that. I was like, oh my goodness, I would love to be a part of that. And I reached out to her and helped her with some of her graphics. And so it was like one of those things where, you know, you have to, I, I reach for every opportunity. And so a lot of girls aren't taught, you know, to raise your hand first and to go after what you want. Right. And I always tell girls, you know, ask for what you want be confident, and always respect yourself. You know, our, I, I know my value. I'm worth a lot. So I'm going to ask for a lot. So those are the things that girls need to learn.
0: God, as the father of two daughters, you're speaking my language. I love to hear that. And, and I hope that that's the message that I try to give both of my girls, that, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, whether you want to be, I have one daughter who wants to be the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. And I another, love it. And another one who, you know, wants to be an acclaimed actress. And, you know, whatever you want to do, find a way to figure it out and and go do it. And you're right. The the key is, you know, don't sit back and wait for somebody. Go out and and figure it out. Exactly. So, you know, I, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and I love to hear about all the cool things that you're doing. But I think in addition to just doing great stuff, I think some of the best entrepreneurs are observers. So my favorite question that I ask all of my guests is, in addition to your company, what's something you see someone else doing where you go, wow. They're doing some cool stuff.
1: Oh, definitely. Like I, I've been looking at a lot of stuff that Jewelbots and uh, Girls Who Code have been doing, and I just love that. Like creating creating camps um, for girls to come in and to learn um, is huge. But I also um, have another camp that I like, and it's called Geeky Girl. It's not Geeky Girl, but it's kind of like Girl. It's like Geek Girl. I can't I can't remember the complete name, but they have a camp for women, like specifically women who want to learn you know Microsoft Word Excel and things like that. So, so for they adults, take the woman. So, so
0: this is who, for adults who want to learn technology.
1: Yeah, so I'm more interested in that too like you know women who dr- may have dropped out of school, trying to get their GED, stay-at-home moms or you know even that person who works at McDonald's you want to learn a different skill set. Well, I'll bring you in, I'll teach you the skill set so that you can go on and to do better things. Those are cool things to me. Um that to me is more interesting um than, you know, just just doing the, the web development right now. I'm in a teaching mode where I really want to teach individuals what I know uh, so that they can be successful. Because a lot of a lot of the skills that I have have been gotten without the degrees, right? Like I have a master's degree, but it's in social work. But I program, right? So a lot of the jobs that I've gotten is without even those degrees behind my name, um, those IT degrees. But I have the skill set, right? I've had the skill set since I was 16 years old, programming in DOS, in uh, C plus plus, and Fortran, and Pascal, and you know. Visual Basic. I can name so many different languages that I know, SQL, you know, but I learned that I was self taught so helping them teach
0: themselves. So that brings up an interesting point that I think a lot of people forget, and that is, I think in society, we look to, oh, what is her degree? Oh, she went to the University of Texas and has a master in social work. But in reality, the type of stuff that you're passionate about, a lot about what you're doing, you could accomplish that without that degree. And I think sometimes people think, well, I I don't have a degree, so therefore I, I can't succeed. You know, do you think that in a lot of cases, people just need to go out and get the skill set, and go do?
1: Absolutely. I think right now, when when any person under the age of 18 tells me they can't do anything, I just get so agitated because you have Google, you have YouTube videos that you can go look up and code. Um, I send people stuff all the time when they ask me, um, how do I do this? I'm like, you have the information. You have access. Before it was a problem with access, right? And so they no longer have that excuse. A lot of people don't have that excuse anymore. You can't say I, I don't know. Well, you can look it up, right? You have access to it. So that is a huge important part of, of what's going on right now. You know, even reading something uh, recently about buses putting Wi-Fi on buses so that um, look income individuals can have access to the internet. Those are huge things, right? So no one can say that they can't do anything but, you know, you have the access.
0: Well, and it's so true because, you know, I, I look at like, I, I get a new piece of like electronic equipment for recording the podcast or maybe a new camera or, or something. And it's like, I can't quite figure out how to install it and make it work. All I have to do is Google the name of the piece of equipment and someone out there, and this cracks me up, someone has actually filmed a video of themselves getting that piece of equipment and installing it. And I'm thinking... Who are these people who film all these like homemade how to install your, you know, mixer program? But they're out there. I mean, you almost, there's almost nothing out there you want to do where you can't find the answer. Sometimes my wife will call and say, you know, oh, there's something wrong with the computer. And I'll say, did you Google that problem? You know, and she'll go and she'll Google it. And there's like a video on how to solve the problem that's going on right there. And it's like there's almost nothing out there now that you can't find the answer with a couple of keystrokes. And you're right. You know, Wi-Fi is free and it's everywhere. And while I think there are still access problems to some communities where they don't have the hardware, they don't have access to the computers, you know, now, uh, you know, these kids, they all have smartphones. And so, you know, you can access the internet. I do most of my research off of my iPhone. So everybody's got access now, it seems.
1: Yes, exactly. Like you have the most powerful tool in your hand. So there's no way that you cannot, you know, research that.
0: Well, I had the chance, uh, good fortune, I met someone who worked at NASA and he took my family on sort of a behind the scenes tour of the Johnson Space Center in Houston and when we were in the original control room where they they controlled uh, the Apollo missions to the moon, he asked for my cell phone and I handed it to him and he goes, "You have more computing power in this device than this entire room had in 1969 when a man walked on the moon." That is Isn't amazing. That, that is amazing. The last question I love to ask my guests and I can tell just from the answers you've given us all along, that your whole life is sort of entwined. Your business and and the way you serve your greater community is all entwined. But I think in addition to being observers, good entrepreneurs want to give back. They want to help others. They want to leave a mark that's more than just, hey, I made money. So what is it that you do to serve the greater good?
1: For me, I give back by you know serving my church. I do that Right now I do the social media and that's important to me, but also like serving for a princess and training, that's huge for me. I donate a lot to a lot of the nonprofits and startups that have Kickstarters. Anytime they have something going on, I'm more than willing to help them in any way through financial contributions. That's a huge thing for me to be able to give back. Um, That is one of those things that is very important because a lot of people wouldn't invest in me in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) So it it was kind of like, oh, I had to take whatever I had for savings to start Geeky girl. So I didn't want people to do that. So I always try to do the Kickstarter because that Kickstarter wasn't around when I started, right? So that's a huge thing.
0: Well, and I can tell that you have a very big heart and that you definitely do want to leave that mark that goes beyond just your business. So it has been such a pleasure, Drea, to have you on the show. I am so glad that you answered my tweet and decided just two hours later to jump on a call with me.
1: Tom, thank you so much for having me. I do appreciate you so much for giving me the opportunity.
0: So if someone's listening and they have to find out more about Drea, they need to find out more about Geeky Girl designs. How do they find you?
1: You can contact me through g e e k e g u r l. dot com and at G-E-E-K-E-G-U-R-L1. That's for Twitter.
0: Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much. I think you shared great information for the audience. And for those of you who listened, jump over and find out a little bit more about Geeky Girl and send her a tweet and let her know you heard about it here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Drea. In the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at tom.singer. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great-sounding podcasts.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.